Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. That's the station you're on. It's Brisbane's community radio station bringing you all uh, the local news, current affairs, music and of course all the important things that you won't hear on commercial media. Um, my name's Andy and I'll be with you for the next hour I'm back in the Triple Z studio this week, broadcasting from Jagger and Turable country, and it's very good to be with you um, on this Good Friday, and aptly perhaps for this day when our culture commemorates um, a criminal who was imprisoned for um, standing up for what he believed and sentenced to death. Um, it is... Today on the show, we are going to be talking about political prisoners um, who, th- thankfully, we are not in Australia at a stage where people are being hung up on a cross or anything like that. But it is on the rise, people going to jail for political action in this country. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we had Max Kermie sentenced to four months in prison for uh, non-violent protest action. He climbed up a crane at Port Botany and suspended himself from it. And we will be speaking with Max because he is out on bail with an appeal pending. He's under very strict bail conditions under house arrest, but I did manage to get uh, to call up Max and have a chat with him about why he's taking the action that he is, about his experiences inside, and I guess what what the climate movement will have to do if this is going to be something more common. Um, As well as, Max, we did see Andy George also arrested and sentenced to three months jail last week for disrupting a football game with a flare. Uh, It seems... I know Australians love football, but it does seem a bit excessive, that one as well. Uh, Max, Andy did, like Max originally, did not have his appeal, um, his bail hearing, successful and so he is currently still inside although i think they're trying to appeal that but of course if you are a regular paradigm shift listener you would remember last year i spoke to a couple of people sergio herbert who got sentenced to a year in prison he also has an appeal pending and is on bail and juliet lamont who has a suspended sentence by the end of this month we might have another one in jail another climate activist kyle mcgee will have caught in a bowen 
and Cole's prior record means that prison is a possibility for him as well. So what does it all mean if we're going to have people standing up for our environment, doing time in prison? What does it mean for our movement? Um, How can we prepare for that, both people that that might be the reality or for those of us outside who want to show solidarity with these people in prison because... um, It seems like it's not going away. So that's what the show is about today. As I said, we'll be speaking with Max about his experiences and why he took the action that he did. And I also will speak with Kieran O'Reilly, who has done a number of stints in prison and um, long he did over a year in an American prison for damaging a B-52 bomber in the at the time of the first Gulf War, and because of his role in uh, various the Plowshares movement, other anti-war movements, he's done a lot of solidarity with people in prison as well. And so hopefully as a bit of a, an elder in the movement with some of that experience, some of his advice can be useful as well. Um, that's what's coming up in the show. Stick around. Um, it's a public holiday. It's good. <laughs> uh, we all get to a bit of time at home to sit around listening to the radio, and that is good as well. So let's start off with... Hearing from my chat with Max. My name's Max Kemi. Um, I was part of the protest a couple of weeks ago at Port Botany in Sydney. Um, and yeah, I've spent the last um, three weeks in jail in um, New South Wales. Mm, so, frequent listeners of the Paradigm Shift would have heard a few weeks ago that you did get sentenced to four months in prison um, after climbing up a crane but you are out now on bail and able to talk to us today can you give us a bit of an update on your legal situation yeah i guess we've chucked an appeal in so that's that's listed in may yeah so i'm currently on house arrest um staying staying with a friend um but yeah i you know i guess my you know four months sentence hasn't been overturned at all it's just um I've been given bail because if I wasn't given bail, I would have already served more than half of my sentence before I had a chance to make make the district court appeal. So I'm kind of still very contained, but out of jail, which is very nice. I assume you have very strict bail conditions? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, can't leave the premise, um, can't communicate with um, anybody involved um, with the movement, um, yeah, I have to report to the police station um, three times a week, and that's pretty much the only way I can leave the house. So that's yeah, that that's what it'll be for me for the next month, and then potentially yeah, I'm I mean, we're hopeful that the sentence will be downgraded because it seems to me like the magistrate has you know had it in for for, for protesters. There's been a couple of people yeah who've, who've got some pretty high sentences coming out of that particular mag- mag- magistrate um but yeah you know it's, it probably takes we have to overturn the decision now so um i guess if we don't make a good enough case that that what the magistrate said was you know unreasonable then i guess i'm going back in in probably a month mm. yeah so the grounds for the appeal are just that the sentencing was too harsh yeah and i guess uh, we're looking at the possibility of doing like an all all grounds appeal which is um, to kind of take back my, my plea of guilty because we're arguing that it was under duress. But, yeah, I guess that's that's still something that, that the legal people who are 
working with me um, working out. So not not really sure, but yeah, at the moment it's just like a sentencing appeal. So the action in question, you um, after a week of different people doing blockade actions at Port of Botany in Sydney, you jumped over a couple of fences and ran onto a crane, scaled it, and then sort of uh, abseiled off the crane a, with a bit of a fancy zip line manoeuvre. Um, what was the rationale behind doing that action? Yeah, I guess like I, you know, am really concerned about what's happening with the climate. Um, yeah, I think as we've seen with crazy weather over the last couple of years, like we are starting to get into a point in, in history where, you know, all, all the predictions about what's going to happen with climate change are starting to kind of become reality. And in, in my mind, we really have a short period of time to start to push for some really serious change. And, and because we've wasted all this time kind of uh, apologising to this system and being like, oh, we can just, you know, tinker around the edges. Um, yeah, I guess now we have to make change really, really quickly and we're living under a system that is, like, not going to be able to deliver that, that change because, well, I guess in my opinion, this, this system was set up to facilitate the exploitation of this continent and its people and its environment. And I guess um, I took the action because, yeah, I think... People who are concerned about this crisis need to respond to this system in a physical way that, you know, targets things that are important to this system because, yeah, I guess I don't really see very many other options available to us other than kind of voting for one of the, you know, two major political parties that are so deeply um, entrenched in, in, in the system or, you know, going and putting a court case in against some big polluter who will ultimately win because... You know, the legal system is set up to protect the private right of corporations and rich people to exploit the planet. So I guess, you know, looking at the options that remain on, on the table, yeah, like I think participating in organised direct action where where we, you know, use our bodies to get in the way of the things that matter to Australia is something that I wanted to participate in. You know, I, I guess I didn't really, you know, I knew there would be some consequences for me. I, you know, wasn't excited about taking the action, but I guess... There's, yeah, I guess it's either like we risk participating in this stuff or we kind of, I guess, sit back and just say, okay, we're going to watch the world burn and I guess oh, I'm not prepared to do that. And, um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of other people who aren't prepared to do it either and hopefully a lot of them will, yeah, will, will be coming to our mobilisation in June. But, yeah, I guess which we, we're each having in Sydney. But, yeah, um, you know, we want, yeah, I guess, you know, I want to encourage people to, like, realise the power that they actually have to resist this this systematic destruction of our planet. Yeah, so I guess that's 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 why we did a mobilisation at, at Port Botany, you know, we were we were trying to damage the economy, um, because the economy is uh, the economy and, you know, the rules and regulations that are set up here by this state are you know, they're not gonna facilitate a livable future for us or for anyone who's coming down the line. Um, you mentioned that you had thought about the consequences. So, I guess, did you think that going to prison was a possibility and was that something that you had, had prepared for? Um, oh, I mean, I didn't think it would happen. Um, you know, it's pretty pretty unprecedented. I, I suppose there was someone who was sentenced to prison last year for, you know, a, a couple of people. Um, but, yeah, I guess still, you know, pretty escalated response from... Yeah, the legal system to be sending people to prison. And, yeah, I guess, you know, I thought there was a slight possibility of it. Um, but, 
yeah, I guess I didn't expect it to be the response as as harsh as it was, but I guess that's probably also a sign that, that the action we're taking is threatening the interests of the yeah you know, the people who run this society and um, yeah are running it for a profit you know at at our loss I suppose and but yeah no you know you know I, I thought I'd be in for a you know one or two days and be able to to get out and you know that's still a possibility for other people I guess you know I have just some prior convictions um, you know for similar sort of protest stuff so I think you know there was a higher risk I guess I was scared of that 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 possibility but yeah probably going back to what i said before more probably more scared of not acting which is that's why i took it in the end we have a blockade australia's mobilization and last year sergio herbert got sentenced to prison obviously he had quite a prior record but we also had um juliette lamont refused bail and given a suspended prison sentence since you did your action andy george has been sent to prison for disrupting a football game um do you think that Looking forward, after it's been a big few years of climate civil disobedience, are we going to have to be more prepared for people for the possibility of people going to prison? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, probably yes. You know, I guess if if people keep taking the fight to this, this system, like I think that's, that's the way that uh, Australia deals with um, people who don't do what it says and... You know, you know, being in being in jail for a couple of weeks, you know, like there's thousands, there's you know, tens of thousands of people across this country that you know, Australia has locked locked up for pretty minimal things, and they're going to be in there for years. And yeah, getting meaningful action on climate change is going to mean a massive change to the way this this society functions. And yeah, I don't think that Australia is going to roll over and just be like, okay, yeah, no, we're going to change, we're going to change everything because that's what's necessary. For, for survival so yeah like i think people should be thinking about the fact that they might go to prison but i also think you know it's it's not a normal thing and i don't i don't think um it needs to become a normal thing if lots of people start to participate in this stuff it you know it makes it less risky for yeah i guess it's it's not so easy to chop the kind of tall poppies down when there's when there's lots of people doing it so yeah like i think you know i guess it's kind of on us whether or not it, it becomes normal for, for, for lots of people to get jailed. But, yeah, like, I think as things, you know, as we are forced to escalate by the by the gravity of the situation that, yeah, you know, are unfortunately other people who care about the planet and, and it's, it's people are probably going to be spending some time behind bars. Obviously, you only spent a couple of weeks in there, but... Um what was your experience like and what were things that helped you get through it? Oh, yeah, I guess, you know, first thing is, you know, it's a completely horrific place. Um, you're treated, I guess, like um, a cow being sent to slaughter or, you know, you're not really fed appropriately. You're not really, you know, not really given all of, you know, a lot of the kind of basic things that people are used to surviving on. And I guess that being said, like, you know, me going in there as someone who's white um, and someone who, you know, like I was known in, in, in the prison because it was a high-profile ca- case or high-profile case, you know, I was definitely treated, you know, towards the better end of things. But, yeah, you know, like as time went on, I was in there for longer, you know, I was able to develop a routine doing, doing a bit of exercise when I had the opportunity, you know, I guess trying to sleep as, as much as possible 
but yeah, I guess it's you know it's something where you're, you know, you're so you're so restricted. Your you, your access to people is just. I didn't get any. I, I couldn't contact anyone for the first kind of two weeks. Just you know the yeah. I guess the prisons the prisons are set up to to make you suffer, and I guess that was that was my experience. Was yeah yeah it was it was pretty shit. But yeah, you know it's it's something that I think. You know, I guess now that I've done that, I guess I feel a little bit more prepared for something like that happening again in the future. I definitely am not trying to go anywhere near that place again, but I think, like, that's something that's a reality for myself and for other people in the movement, you know, is is that we may get sent back. And, like, I would encourage people to, to be, you know, it's a, a potentially dangerous place in there. You know, there's, the guards and stuff are very have not got your, your interests at heart, but, you know, like, I honestly felt very very safe with the other prisoners in there you know like i think there's a lot of kind of misconceptions about you know the threat posed by quote unquote criminals you know i think most people in there are people who have been picked up and are suffering a lot yeah i guess i experienced a lot of solidarity from people in there and um which which was a pretty wasn't really eye-opening but i guess it, it was that was probably one of one of the nicest things in there was kind of the way that people inside kind of looked after each other that being said it is you know i was on edge the whole time for three weeks just completely on edge the whole time you don't really know what's going to happen to you next where you're going to be moved just get told to pack up your stuff and go and you don't know where you're going and yeah it's i guess it's it's a very different experience than you know like i think most people who you know if you haven't been been to the experience it's it's something that that is that is shocking and you know i guess it's a indictment on the pretty dirty way that kind of this system deals with its yeah you know what it what it sees as problem people so with your bowel conditions you probably uh won't be doing very much out and about coming up but blockade australia does have ongoing plans and it does involve continuing sort of escalated civil disobedience do you want to talk a bit about you know what other plans there are yeah i guess our next kind of moment major mobilisation is in June um, and that's going to be in Sydney. Yes, I guess we're asking people from across the continent to kind of take a couple of weeks off and come to Sydney and put themselves in the way of the system that is destroying the planet and yeah, I guess there's lots of different sorts of ways to participate in that that action um, but you know, this that's something that we're looking, uh, we're looking to try and run and yeah, we think it's something that People on this continent, you know, like there's a lot of people who are concerned about this issue. There's a lot of people who are concerned about lots of different issues, but I guess we're trying to focus on um, building up our capacity to resist in a really effective way. And all right, so what's the when and where is the blockade Australia convergence? Um, so it starts on the 27th of June and goes for a week. Um, so yeah, people can find that on our Facebook page. They could find it on the website um just get people to sign up there and all right thanks max and hope the appeal goes well thanks andy cheers having me on that is max kermy there singing that song um i'm not sure what that song's called actually but that was filmed uh live um at a protest gig a while back before then we were speaking with max kermy he Three weeks ago or so, he was sentenced to prison for four months for taking uh, quite a dramatic climate action, climbing up a 
uh, crane at the Port of Botany and suspending himself from it. He is out with an appeal pending, but um, chatting to him there about his experiences inside um, and what it will take, I guess, to show support to people who are locked up. There may be more coming out as our people take more and more dramatic action to try to force the kind of environmental action we need from our government and our government will likely respond by repressing that and increasing the sentences. That is its track record from our own Australian governments um, where we've seen uh, new protest laws brought in, sentences raised, over not just in New South Wales in the last month or so but over in australia over the last couple of years queensland bringing in new lock-on laws when there was a lot of climate action here in 2019 and of course in queensland here we've in the memory of people still active today a time when all protest marches were banned and made illegal and so uh, we've seen governments all around the world do that. When people rise up to challenge their power, they will repress it. So if that's going to happen, we need to work out what we will do about it as a movement. Will people uh, continue to take those kind of actions to resist it? And if they do, what can the rest of us do to support it? We'll talk a bit more about that uh, in a second with Kieran O'Reilly, who's done a few stints in prison. But first off, I thought I'd play this a little grab from Andy George, who is also in prison currently um, in Sutherland Court. He was sentenced to three months prison this week after disrupting a football game last weekend uh, with a flare. He ran on uh, the field of the Cronulla Sharks game um, to try to raise awareness for his group is called Fireproof Australia, trying to force some climate action and some uh, climate adaptation, I guess, some natural disaster relief from the Australian government. Uh, I think even less so than Max, Andy would have been expecting to go to prison for this action. He, he hasn't done that many before, and it certainly wasn't that dramatic an action, although uh, flares can be classified as weapons i think but andy's in prison now as well and his appeal his uh, bail appeal was refused during the week and so he is still in there but let's have a, a listen to this uh little grab of him talking about the motivation of his action i think it's filmed just outside the stadium as he's ready to go in and take the action hi i'm andrew i'm 33 years old and I'm shit scared about what I'm about to do. Uh, but I tell you what, I am a hell of a lot more scared of what the future holds for every young person in this country. We've already been smashed by floods, fires and smokes and it's going to spiral out of control. This is what's happening and I think it's beyond sad what's going to happen to this great country. For anybody out there who loves sports, just think of all the games that have been disrupted by drought, by floods, by smoke, by fires. 
It's happening. Our way of life is under attack. And you know what? Nothing is happening to protect us from this threat. Our government has failed in its basic duty to get us this Aussie-owned firefighting fleet large aerial bombers. They have also failed to rehome people who lost their homes from the fires two years ago. They're still living in caravans and they haven't even got anything in place for the people who just lost their homes now. And lastly, they're not doing anything to protect our vulnerable with smoke filters. So, today I'm embracing the Larrikin spirit, which to me is about defying authority when authority needs to be defied. And come on, you got your head in the sand if you don't think we need to be acting up against this government right now. So, if you care about this country, if you care about being able to go to sports on a weekend, then you need to come along and fireproof Australia with us. Otherwise, we've only got ourselves to blame. Really nervous. Legs feel like jelly. Don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. I'm glad it's sunny, but I'm sweating. That is Andy George there talking to the camera just before he uh, ran on to the field at Cronulla Sharks game and he is also in prison. Um, and we could have one more by the end of the month, Kyle McGee, who uh, late last year jumped up on a coal train from Adani's Carmichael Mine, one of the first coal trains, with a shovel and started shoveling the coal out of the carriage. Uh, he, his charges are, I mean, they're as serious as normally you get. They've been charged with fraud, which is a very strange one. They'll be pleading not guilty to it and trying to argue that they are not guilty of fraud for um, throwing Adani's coal out of its carriage. But... Uh, with Kyle's record, it is quite possible that he will go to prison. He has been to prison before for some of his great anti-advertising -ad activism that he has done over the years. Uh, we also, Sergio Herbert is currently has a, a bail appeal, or is on bail with an appeal pending. If that appeal fails, he will go back to prison as well. So we might be back to a situation that many Queenslanders would be familiar with where there's a lot of activists going into prison and it's time for um, us to start thinking about what that means, how to support those people. We'll talk to Kieran O'Reilly in a second about that, but of course it has been the case throughout history in lots of places that it's very common for people to uh, be going to prison for their political beliefs. And so there's plenty of history we can learn from. Around the world right now, there's plenty of people that are in prison um, for standing up for what's right. And, of course, groups like Amnesty International do a great job for uh, standing up for them. Uh, even in Kurdistan, my partner Beck was living over there and there was, you know, 100 people, act political activists put in prison there, all kinds of places. Historically in South Africa during apartheid, of course, it was a time where many would know about uh, political prisoners. Nelson Mandela, 28 years on Robben Island prison, but there were lots of others in there with him. 
Um, we are talking about political prisoners today on the Paradigm Shift and uh, I spoke to Kieran O'Reilly this morning from COVID isolation, actually. Um, uh, Kieran has plenty of experience both being in prison and supporting other people in prison um, for over recent decades and in all parts of the world. I started off by asking him a bit about uh, his experiences as a prison and a prisoner supporter. Grew up here in uh, Brisbane and uh, my last year at high school is when they suspended civil rights for about four or five years and banned demonstrations, street marches, gatherings, etc. And then helped start the Catholic Worker Movement here in Brisbane and we're involved in like anti-war resistance throughout the 80s, uh, which also... Uh, included us going into Bogger Road Jail for refusing to pay fines as prisoners and getting involved in prisoner solidarity, which led to the closure of Bogger Road. And then I went to the States in the late 80s, was involved in a plowshares action on a B-52 bomber. We rounded a B-52 that was ready to be used in the bombing of Iraq. And I spent 13 months in prison in the States before being deported back to Australia. And then later, I was very involved in the East Timor campaign in the 90s. And then later in 2003 in Ireland, I was arrested with four other people and charged with $2.5 million uh, criminal damage to a US warplane that was en route to Iraq. I was sent back to Texas. So that included three jury trials in Dublin. Um, first two trials ended mistrial. The third one, we were acquitted. And then more recently, I was based in London um, doing solidarity around Julian Assange, who remains in prison in London now for the past three years. And prior to that, he was seven years uh, surrounded in the Ecuadorian embassy. So you have quite a bit of experience there. I mean, your own stints in prison, but also doing solidarity with people on the inside. I mean, Queensland in the 80s and the plowshares movement across the world, a lot of people have been in prison. I guess, to start off with, what are some of the things that you think can keep people sane and healthy when they are in prison? Well, I, I think um, you know, what's needed is a movement that appreciates its prisoners. And I have a background, I guess, very similar to Chris Bailey, who just died recently, um, and that has been part of the Irish diaspora. I grew up in an Irish Republican family, and being my age, a lot of people being interned and arrested in Ireland, in the north of Ireland, um, in the 70s. So we often would, would go to Cayley's to raise money for prisoners' families and stuff. So I was very much brought up in a culture um, that supported political prisoners. And um, so any serious movement will end up with people being arrested and prosecuted and imprisoned. And uh, if a movement is serious, it will you know, take care of its prisoners as one of its priorities. And um, so, you know, when you're in jail, the whole system's there to convince you that you're forgotten, that uh, you're isolated, etc. And the only counter venom to that is um, the solidarity of others, people continuing the struggle on the outside, but also... Um, you know, reaching in to uh, assure you that, that uh, you know, obviously I think in my own life, in my own journey, uh, political prisoners have been very significant to me and um, 
I think when you're in prison, you've got to be convinced that you're very significant to others on the outside who are continually in the same struggle for the environment or for peace or whatever. Um, and all, so even writing a letter, sending a postcard, um, is very important because it gives a signal to the prison staff that you're connected and that you should not be bullied or, uh, you know, because they're basically cowardly prison staff. So they won't pick on anyone who they think has reach on the outside. So um, I think for a, even the safety of a prisoner, that kind of small, small acts of solidarity and protest outside of jail always is a, you know, spreads like wildfire inside a jail. So um, I know this is the case at Belmarsh when we were in prison in Darwin for Jabaluka. Uh, whenever there was a protest and supporting us outside, it would spread. Bogger Road, they were always overestimated the solidarity we had outside and, and, and found that very significant. You know. mm. Were there, like, personal routines or um, ways of thinking um, that helped you go? I mean, you did a very long stint in the US as well as other stints. Were there things that helped you get through that or that you know of other people that helped people get through that time inside yeah we, we were doing a very serious intervention and we knew from precedent that we would be dealt with uh, pretty fiercely like some of our people had already received 18 years for plowshares actions a number had received eight years in prison and, and our estimate was that we were looking at three to five <coughs> so in the end we got off quite lightly with just 13 months i did 13 months but leading up to that we were we had a lot of serious preparation and i was also living with phil berrigan had already done probably eight years in prison for his resistance to the vietnam war and to nuclear weapons so it was good to to meet and reflect with older people who'd, who'd uh, been to prison um, and could give you a few tips. And, and we we prepared seriously uh, for our entrance into prison. We also prepared seriously for trial. Um, so that was all very helpful. That was I was part of a movement that was quite familiar with having prisoners, um, the Catholic Worker Movement and the Plowshares Movement. Um, you know, I know at the time some people from Earth First uh, were infiltrated by the FBI in the late 80s and um, they weren't doing well in prison because <laughs> one is they thought they'd never be caught where, you know, we, we always get caught. We we, um, we damage military equipment or disable it and then we stay and pray. We don't hit and split. So groups who are like you know, more like hit and split. Their assumption, like any any anyone who ends up in jail, is that is that they won't get caught. You know, so they haven't really prepared for that consequence. And um, you know, I'm quite convinced by the prison witness the the contribution of of political prisoners. And um, you know, and it's it's a shame to me. It's quite demoralising to me the abandonment of Julian Assange by the British anti-war movement. When you consider that two million people marched in the streets of London against the war that Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange exposed, and there was very little follow-up by by the bureaucrats, the, the professional, well-paid bureaucrats um, of Stop the War and Amnesty International, and those groups who should be should have been looking after Julian and, and Chelsea uh, just abandoned them. Um, they've lifted their game a bit more recently, but um, and you'll have that division in the environmental movement now. Um, you'll have people whose careers are tied up as NGOs and, and uh, you know, well-paid bureaucrats of 
of different uh, environmental conservation groups and they'll be denouncing militant non-violent action as uh, counterproductive and alienating ordinary people, etc., etc., instead of kind of mobilising around... Um, you know, around those who've moved on from protest to resistance, and um, you know, it's obviously the environmental situation is going to get worse, and and the war situation is going to get worse, and and the governments and those in power and the churches, um, they're just incapable of of leading us out of it um, they're, because they're addicted to profit and power. Uh, they're taking us off a cliff, you know, and uh, they're played to people who are who are putting their bodies on the line, and um, uh, you know whether it's blocking coal shipments or or um, or resisting the, the wars that are bound. So, I mean, you mentioned there how important solidarity is from the people on the outside. What are the practical things that people can do to show solidarity with people inside that will make a difference? Well, I think, um, you know, just keeping people, like, say for Julian Assange, unless you're very emotionally connected to it, which I've been for 10, 10, 12 years, he's really disappeared from the radar. You know, I think a lot of people 25 and under don't know who he is. So, they, you know, because the media is such a monopoly, they've just managed to to kind of evaporate him, really. So to keep, um, you know, whenever there's an anti-war protest his name should be raised you know and um and the same with environmental people and, and there's an environmental protest the prisoners of our movement should be should be mentioned and raised and celebrated uh and also you know just simple things like writing a letter to to those who are in jail you know it's not doesn't that it shouldn't be a hero worship thing it should be a mutual solidarity thing of reassuring them that the struggle continues outside and and we appreciate their their presence inside you know and there's a lot of good work you can do in jail as well you know um like i think a lot of us who refused to pay fines and went to bogger road um in the 80s played our part in bringing that you know, bringing down that jail you know by starting the prisoners program on four triple z organizing demonstrations outside the wall when the prisoners went on the roof in 88 etc that led to the kennedy quarry and the closure of the jail and you know my short time in darwin prison about four or five months um I just, uh, you know, they used to bring an official visitor once a month and literally no one would go and go to those things, you know, and we're about 90% Indigenous. And uh, I remember I put my name down, they called out, and, and the staff just panicking. You know, they, they, had, they never had anyone to talk to the official visitor. It was just uh, someone from civil society that would come in once a month. And I just made a list of demands, and they were met, you know, within a few months. They, they brought air conditioning into the remand section, gave us TVs, you know, they, it was... Um, so if, if you've got a history as an organiser, an activist, and can analyse the situation, you can help make it, you know, uh, contribution in the jail. And um, obviously, when you when you go to jail, it's a lot to learn from people who are doing life and have been in there a lot longer than you have, and will still be in there when you leave. But but there's also skills that you can bring into the prison environment that can improve the situation. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think um, uh, that, you know, a big problem that often with struggles is that the more moderate forces um, uh, try and isolate the militant 
non-violent militants and um, they've really got to learn that uh, we're all part of one movement, you know, and we all play different roles in it and, and to appreciate that. All right. Thanks very much, Kieran. I'll continue with my COVID. Okay. See <laughs> Andy. That is the Kieran O'Reilly about his experiences in prison and supporting prisoners and what it takes. And I think uh, elders in our movement who have done time in prison have, have a very useful role to play if it is the case that more activists in Australia are going to go to prison, as we have seen recently, then we uh, need to be learning from those who've been in there who know what it's like who have some tips and have some tips on how we can show solidarity from the outside so there's some good info just there from Kieran um and I think it's up to all of us I know over the years I've tried to do prisoner solidarity with people who have been locked up around the place and it is a lonely place in there and the solidarity from the outside can be a thing that keeps people's hope alive or at times that keeps people alive i remember chelsea manning talking about her time in prison for releasing documents that told the truth about america's role in overseas overseas wars and she did in fact say that the only thing that kept her alive was um solidarity from the outside of course um chelsea is out now but the person who helped her to leak that information julian assange is still in prison um america's appeal against his extradition initially being refused was successful and so he will go back to court facing extradition to the u.s where he will quite possibly go to prison for the rest of his life for uh crimes related to uh espionage but Julian did get married the other week, um, which is uh, amazing. Achieved Stella, um, his wife now, they do have a couple of kids together. Uh, they got married and it was, by all accounts, a joyful occasion. But he needs our support. Like everybody, you can write to him in prison and find different ways of showing solidarity to him. So let's continue to do that. Um, I'll be back next week and... Let's keep on fighting for a better world, even when the consequences sometimes can be pretty difficult.